And as, you know, enlightened or transformed as I thought I was, it still hit me like a ton of bricks because it was not something I ever really even considered. Welcome, my name is Natasha Sherman and I am your host. So in today's world, being gay is different probably than it was a decade ago. And it's easy to assume that it's a lot easier now. And yet I suspect that for a large part of the population, it is not as easy as we'd like to think it is. There are stories of people throwing their kids out on the street and although that's not the majority of them, the fact that it still exists shows that it's an issue. My guest today is Jack. Jack actually was my coach in a leadership training program decades ago. And I know him to be someone who is intelligent, thoughtful, curious, empowering, supportive, and a key player in the world of transformation. And yet when he thought his son was gay, he suddenly found himself confronted with some issues. And as he says, the issues weren't with his son, they were with him. And so he went to work on transforming all of that. And he's here today to talk about it because he thinks it might be useful for other parents who are in the same place. Welcome, Jack. Welcome, Natasha. Good to see you again. It's great to see you. How come you haven't gotten older and I have? <laughs> <laughs> they have this product called Just For Men, you know what I mean? <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So, you know, as I said, you know, you're, you're a leader in transformation. Was it a shock to you that it kind of percolated some issues? It was a real shock for me. Yeah. When my wife at the time told me that, you know, my son was gay, she said, uh, but you can't tell him that I told you. That was their bond, mm -hmm. okay, which I totally respect. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, enlightened or transformed as I thought I was, it still hit me like a ton of bricks because it was not something I ever really even considered. Right. And... How old was he when she told you? Um, I would say about 15. Okay. And how old is he now? 21. Okay. So um, it was a shock to say the least. Mostly because, you know, I had all these expectations of from the moment he was born or before he was even born, you know, what it would look like to have him, you know, have a traditional marriage and a daughter-in-law and have kids and grandchildren and all those things, you know, later on in life. And also what it would be like for him. Right. You know, what I thought it would be like for him being in life as a teenager, going to the prom, you know, dating, going to college, dating, having that whole life, mm. you know. Um, and it really hit me, and like I was sharing with you, what I had to deal with was it was my unfulfilled expectations right. of what I was expecting. 
And like you said, maybe it's gotten easier out there in the general population about what it is to be gay, it's acceptance, you see it more on you know, mainstream media and stuff like that. However, when it's your child, it's your child. And I don't care how mainstream accepted out there in the media, which I'm, I'm glad, you know, right. and it's relatively at some, like you said, hopefully easier for gay men and women, boys and girls that, you know, come out in the world. It's still probably just as hard for them to tell their parents because they don't know any other way. Yeah. You can't tell them it's easier. And you can't tell the parents it's easier. Yeah. Because everyone's just got their unique experience of whatever they're dealing with at the time. So, you know, I could tell that maybe with his friends and his mother, it wasn't an issue. But for him to come out to me as however accepted it was out in the world, he still had to deal with me. Mm-hmm. And I still had to deal with me. And that's really where, like, this story takes off. So what did you do? Well, first, what I did was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But be angry. Mm -hmm. That's what I first did. Yes. And I didn't know what to do. And, um, but I certainly knew that I didn't want to stay in that place. Right. I certainly knew that we had to have a conversation about it. Uh, He had to be able to be free because I could tell it was definitely going to be bothering him. Yes. If now we had some distance between us, where before we never did. We're Mm -hmm. best buddies. Mm -hmm. And I had some distance with him because now I knew something about him that I wasn't saying. But... I wasn't willing to have this conversation with him until I knew I could be at a place where I was okay with it. And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I did was I actually came down here to Princeton. You know, I found that there was a, um, uh, I know, LGB. P flag. Okay, workshops. Mm-hmm. Mostly I think it was set up for, a lot of it was for parents. And I went and, you know, listened to the speaker. And there happened to be another father there and mother. And he was really angry. Mm. And while I wasn't maybe as outly overt like him, it it was there. But one thing I got to say was, the good news was I said, no, I'm not going to be that father. I'm not going to be that guy. Mm. And I had to go to work on it. Well, how am I going to get from being that to being the person I said I was going to be and who I wanted to be and my, what I was committed to? <laughs> so, like I said, I was in a leadership training, and I called every gay man that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I asked, I interviewed them. I asked them, what was it like for you when you told your father? And I listened to the stories. Not many of them were good. Wow. I can't say any single one of them was... Outstanding. ...happy about it. Mm. And some of them got, you know, really messed up by what their father said. I got to put you in therapy. 
you'll get over it, we'll pray together, you know, various, it's a phase, various forms that still had a lot of, like, residual impact on them. Sure, this is your dad. Yeah, right. And, um, and I had talked to some other parents I knew whose kids came out to them. Mm -hmm. to get what it was like for them. So I try to do as much as possible. Um, but ultimately it came down to who I was going to be about it and what I had to deal with. And it, Natasha, it was like a death experience at the time. You know, there was the denial. Mm. You know, there was the bargaining. There, you know, the anger. I uh, wish you knew all the steps, but I used to know them. And then, you know, finally came like acceptance. Yes. Um, but it really was, I was committed to him more than me. Because I, when, I, when I really got to my bones that this was my unfulfilled expectation, what I expected it to look like had nothing to do with him. He didn't have those expectations. He was just being him. And, and really one of the, the best conversations I had with one of uh, my friends who came out, he said, is your son like pretending he's not gay? Is he like a big macho football player that, you know, says something about, you know, gay people and what? I go, no, he's authentic. He loves handbags and he works <laughs> at the supermarket. The women come through his line so they can show him the handbag and he knows what each one of them costs and where to get them. He, he, He's so authentically himself, and he's so free. I don't want to squash that. I want to interrupt you here because I think what you said was really, really, like, the whole thing, I was more committed to him than to what I was experiencing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's it, is staying committed to him. And that's it's really the key. And if I could say anything, whether it's to dads, because I'm a dad, maybe some moms are like this too, or anyone else. I think that was the whole key that made me search, to made me keep looking, to finally say, okay, what do I need to give up here? You know, how do I transform this? And it wasn't there in the beginning. Right. So I'm not saying that this just happened overnight. But when I got really, really interested in how much I love him, much I've always loved him, and that I was more committed to his freedom and his joy in life than my own expectation? For yeah. what? So that's really why I went to work on taking all the, you know, these courses and interviewing all these people and until I could finally get to a place where I could authentically have a conversation with him where it really was that it meant nothing to me. And how long did that take? I, I would say that that probably took, you know, th longer. It seemed like forever, <laughs> but it was probably three to six months. That's not a very long time. Well, it is when every I'm time sure you see your like son. It. It, yeah, it is when there's some distance between you. Yes. Oh and, my God, yes. And your son. I mean, it's suddenly, like there's, a, there's an alien in the room, you know, there's a third party in the room. Yeah, yeah, you know, on, on one way, but there's, 
there is certainly when there was no distance between the two of us. I don't mean physically, but in our relationship. Yeah. There was yeah. nothing hidden, nothing I couldn't say to him. And now there was. Yeah. Um, I couldn't fully express my love for him, and I'm sure he couldn't to me either. Mm-hmm. And I was more committed to that, that he could be free and he could be in the world. And he didn't have this story of, oh, my God, I never told my father. What's that like? And he had to you know, hide around me because now he's got to do things that are like a compromise to his integrity. You know, he's not telling me things. Yes. That I'm sure he wants to tell me. So were there any, so clearly it's a process and it's like death or, for you me know, it was. Yes, okay, okay. That, that's, that's what it yeah. was for me. Um, so. It was like the death of an expectation. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So was, so I see that it's a process. Were there significant things that people said or shared with you that made a difference? Yeah, it certainly was listening to, you know, one uh, gentleman telling me that his father said, well, we're gonna get you therapy. Like, right. really? You need to be fixed. Yeah, do I want my son to, uh, to be thinking that? Yeah. That was one. The other one was, uh, and it was from the same gentleman too, was, is your son pretending to not be gay? Mm. That was significant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. He's more free. He's freed up about it. It's me. Yeah. And he's not freed up around me because of me. That's powerful. And when I got, I was the limiting factor in his freedom. Then what happened? I was looking for an open. Now, once I got to a place where I now knew I, it was me, mm-hmm. and I was more committed to him than to me. Now it was just, okay, how do I actually create the opening for the conversation? And I was at a friend's house and I was sharing with him that I was going through a divorce and he turned to my son and he said, well, what do you think about that? And he said, eh, it was kind of obvious, you know, it was kind of going that way. I go, ah, okay. So when we got home that night, I said, do you know how you had that conversation, you know, with Greg about you know, kind of obvious, mommy and dad were getting divorced. I said, there's something I just got to ask you. It's kind of obvious to me. I, I said, are, are you gay? And he's just like, I think he just felt this relief, you know? He kind of rolled his eyes and he said, oh, dad. He said, isn't it, I didn't tell you, because isn't it obvious? And then, and they sort of eat. I said, listen, buddy. I said, let me tell you something. And this is the part I had to authentically get to. I said, the wall was blue, I had eggs for breakfast, and you're gay. That's what it means to me. I said, I love you. I've always loved you from before you were even born, and always will, and this will not get in the way. And we hugged, okay? And then you could just feel the like yeah. tension went out of the air, and then he rolled his eyes, he goes, Dad, you know, um, I can't help you with your wardrobe. I, I am the gay guy. <laughs> but in that instant, this, it was gone, the distance. Wow. You know, between the two of us. In that one conversation, it was gone. You could feel it, the earth like shift almost. And then he was free to have his boyfriend come over, who's an awesome kid. 
you know, and we did things together. We'd go side by side and we'd go on trips. We'd go to, we did things together. And now they live together in college. They're in college and, you know, just doing extremely well and happy as could be. He's fully self-expressed. Doesn't have to hide anything around me. He is who he is. You know, before it's like, well, you know, he could be who he could be in the world, but then around me, he had to hide something. And it just wasn't committed to that. Yeah. You know, it, it would be nice if there was a formula, and clearly there is no formula, but there's something to be learned from what you're sharing. But I just wanted to share a couple of things, and then I have some more questions for you. So um, I watched this, um, I think it was a documentary of parents uh, talking about finding out. Uh, it's easy to judge the non-extreme reactions of parents, those parents who ultimately embrace their children as they were. But as one parent said, and it's what you said, there's a visceral difference when it comes home. I don't know if you can understand it. You have to live it and experience it. Another parent said, and I want to ask you about this, the first thought was, my child is a minority now, and it puts them in danger. Does that ever enter your mind? No, you know, it, it, it never did enter my mind. I never had um, my son occur to me like a minority. Yeah. Uh, I, but out in the world, but that's great that you haven't. I, yeah. It never dawned on me. You know, each of my children are unique in who they are. I don't judge them against society. Right. Okay. So I never looked at whether they where they were in society. I never looked if they were in the minority or the majority. Yeah. I, I never guess, thought of it that way. I guess one of the things that uh, you know, it's like statistically. I uh, read was um, the LGBTQ community faces many forms of discrimination, including labeling, stereotyping, denial of opportunities or access, and even verbal, mental, and physical abuse. They are one of the most targeted communities by perpetrators of hate crimes in the country. Well, that's why I'm doing this show. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. Because I could... Not that I could see myself targeting anybody. I'm not that, but I could see mm -hmm. where people, you know, get some form of you're over there and I'm over here, like because of your sexuality that you're actually different than me, like less human. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when it's your kid, you get no, it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's really an educational process. Yeah. Um, now, 30, 40, 50 years ago, mm. if you would have asked me this question before I was a parent or before I did some of the introspective work mm -hmm. I've done on myself to actually get, I'm not over here and you're over there. We're all, we're all one. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to talk to a bigger conversation, of what's going on in the world today. Mm -hmm. I think this whole you're over there and I'm over here mentality has us in the divisive conversation about everything Yes, that's you know, going on in the world today. I, I, uh, I, I read this quote from a bishop. He says, the whole family comes out at the same time and the family goes through a bereavement process. 
Some religious institutions see it as a sin, an aberration, an illness. He said, access to God and good is not exclusionary. Err on the side of putting more chairs at the table. And I think that's what, again, you know, the, inviting people in, embracing, as opposed to they're them and we're us and... Yeah. Yeah. I don't even have to agree with you. Yes, exactly. Okay, I'm not going to now be gay because right. I've accepted that my son is gay. Right. But boy, is it a different world when I look at he's me, I'm him. Somehow he's got a different sexuality. So what? Exactly. The wall is blue. I had, had eggs, eggs for, for breakfast. breakfast and you get it. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And it's only the meanings that we add to it. Yeah. What is? What are you making that mean? Yeah. And you know, I could add that to well, all these other things. I'm not. I'm not really in the political conversation, but the midterms are tomorrow and boy just people what, what are you making that mean you're a democrat you're a, a republican or everything else in between what what are you making that mean that i cannot now have my views and you can't have your views and now we're gonna yeah. you know have this discourse that's no longer you know um even civil yeah what do you make we have to face mean? off Listen, I'm all for having a debate and having yeah. a great conversation Absolutely. and you have your opinion and my my opinion and, you know, okay, so you're gay and you're straight. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, years ago I interviewed a gay guy who actually um, was, uh, you know, then later diagnosed with AIDS and this was, you know, maybe 15 years ago. And, uh, but I do remember asking him, <laughs> how old were you when you realized you were gay? And he said, how old were you when you realized you were heterosexual? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, <laughs> good point. It just is. Yeah, and it's great you brought that up because what I always was led to believe, not that I studied it, but somewhere, somewhere I absorbed this, that People or men, especially that were gay, something happened to them. Yes. They were molested by the Boy Scout leader or the priest or the uh, babysitter or the this or the that, okay? Yes, that there was a cause. That there was it. a cause. Nothing ever happened to my son like that. Yeah. Nothing. It's just, that's just who he was and always was. And how that happens, I don't know. Yeah. Like how, like you said, how I woke up being heterosexual. And he woke up being gay. I don't know how that happens. So what would you say, like the, so I'm a parent and I come to you and I say I'm grappling with this and I'm still angry. What would you say? Well, I would say, first of all, allow yourself to be angry. Don't even make it wrong that you're angry. Like you shouldn't be. Right. You, you have unfulfilled expectations. You know, you expected life and your son or daughter to be a particular way. Who does it? Yes. And whenever we have unfulfilled expectations about anything, mm -hmm. you're going to be left in an upset. 
So acknowledge, actually embrace the upset, and then embrace it was your own fulfilled expectation. That's the thing. And what can you do with something that's yours? You know what I can do with something I own? Anything. Yeah. I own my car, I can sell it. Yes. I cannot take it into the shop. I can drive it off a cliff. I can give it away. I can do anything with something I own. So I would say, if you really own, it's your unfulfilled expectation, not your child's. They, they're doing what they're doing. That's not their expectation. Then you could actually get start to get past it. Yeah, and I think it's remembering, and again, it goes back to what you said before, remembering your commitment to your child, remembering your love for your child. Yeah. And kind of that's the overarching writing commitment, is to express your love and to get past, it's like you said, you ask yourself, what can I let go of? Well, letting go of those expectations, letting go of the judgment, letting go. But again, as you say, you have to embrace the feelings that you're experiencing Yeah. before you can let them go. You have to own them. You have to own them. You have yeah. to really own them and just get the impact of them. Like yes. How, what's the impact? What's it going to be like if I stay in this, the anger and the upset of this unfulfilled expectation? What's going to be the impact? I'm really going to have some distance between my son. I really am. And he is not going to be free. Yes. And so when I got way more committed, it's what you really see the impact. I mean, just plot it out. Because I can see how it's been going for the last three months. Okay, give it a year. How's it going to go? Two years, three years. He can't bring his his partner's home. He can't uh, talk to you about his feelings about, you know, his, his and, relationships. And the gap gets wider and wider. wider now they go to college. Yeah. Now they get their own job. It's like, I don't need you. And there it goes. You know, you'll get maybe a phone call once in a while and yeah. a card or something like that. But the love and the commitment and, you know, how it's always been would will definitely be gone. Yes. You know, I promised you a three-minute warning. It's actually a one-and-a-half-minute warning. All right. Well, can I say anything about where I got some of this yes. training? Yes. So oh, please. I did this program from Landmark. It's called uh, Landmark Educational Landmark Worldwide. They have an awesome program called the Landmark Forum. Yes. And then follow-on curriculum and seminars. And it was in that kind of, in that, that work that I was actually able to turn around fast enough to see myself. Yes. So, you know, I... That's another... So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I another highly resource. recommend that as yes. a resource to anybody who's, you know, in life in general. Yeah. The Landmark Forum. The Landmark yeah. Forum. You can find it online. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, thank you so much. I think um, it's really powerful because your reaction wasn't an extreme one. It wasn't like I'm throwing my kids out in the street or whatever. It's just like, you know, as I said, someone who's in the world of transformation and... Uh, there's still stuff to deal with, and there's access to resources and to going through to get to the other side. Right. If you're really committed to it, you got to yeah. be more committed to them having love present, having no distance, than my righteousness yes. and my unfulfilled expectations. Yeah. Anything's possible. Yep. Yeah.
Really awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. My name is Natasha Sherman. Thank you for joining us.